Welcome to the Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Valerie. Good evening, friends. My name is Valerie. I'm a compulsive over and under eater. Um, thanks to Jess and Andrea for chasing me to be here. Um, it's the last thing I want to do, and it's really the first thing I need is to show up in a room full of compulsive overeaters. Um, as we all know, it's been difficult to connect in person um, over the last couple of years, and As someone who lives alone and has a predilection to uh, spending lots of time alone and doesn't always play well with others, um, it's really a huge antidote literally just to sit in the rooms with other human beings and, you know, hear voices and hear my name reflected back at me and hear other people's names reflected back at them. And um, it was really nice. You know, the first person that walked in the room was a, a face I haven't seen in a while that I was thinking about, you know, uh, just this week. And, you know, Rashad, I've heard on the on the podcast, I'm like, oh, my God, it's him in person, you know. And it's just, uh, so, yeah, so it's it's these voices that get recorded and, you know, but, but really, like, uh, it's just so powerful to be here. So um, I'll do my best to sort of, like, talk about the steps and the tools. Um, I tend to be a very off-the-cuff speaker in all areas of my life, but um, but we'll just see how that goes. (laughs) Um, Just to qualify really quickly, um, I've been in program since 2003, so that's a few minutes um, of my life. Um, I'm 47 years old, Um, and I come from a 12-step household, so my father went into recovery um, in AA, whatever it is. when I was about 10 years old, so I grew up with this language, and um, I grew up uh, in meetings where there were donuts and coffee, <laughs> and uh, and I and I think that my what that means is I saw how powerful 12-step was, but I also saw how changing it could be, like how revolutionary it could be, and not always in good ways. Um, you know, it really uh, my father's recovery really basically shattered my family. So I have very mixed feelings about it, coming into it as someone who does identify as an addict and um, a compulsive eater. Um, I found my way, I did go to, you know, Alateen and things like that when I was a kid, but I found this program on my own through um, a counselor that I was seeing probably in my early 20s. I I was a late bloomer. Um, But I you know, sort of around the time, I went to college late, and around the time that I was going to college, I was like, okay, I'm going to just, this is, this is it, this is real life, this is going to start, um, and I was like, I'm going to not gain weight in college. <laughs> that was like a big goal, was to like crush college and, you know, get like really high marks, which I did, um, but also I just like wanted to not gain the whatever, you know, the weight that goes along with, you know, sitting for hours at a time studying. Um, and I did that. And um, I don't know how I maintained any level of sanity because I was, you know, 
introduced to my version of anorexia during that time. Um, and I don't tend to identify as an anorexic, but um, you could call it that. <laughs> um, but the way that it manifests most of the time is just a, an occasional propensity to, to restrict food or to undereat. Um, so that's how I got here. Um, I came into the rooms, you know, and, uh, you know, I say the, like, I like to share the, the woman that, you know, led the first meeting that I was at was like really smart, really intellectual. And I was like, okay, yeah, I relate to that. Um, like, you know, she just really had a strong mind. Um, and then there was a woman in the room that was like chewing gum so furiously she could like power a city and I was like I also relate to that because that was you know and, and I saw what someone you know uh you know I saw what someone older who had been practicing anorexia would look like you know and I was like oh shit excuse me um that's gonna happen occasionally um so yeah so I, so I knew there was something there for me and um kind of like our birthday person said you know like the the impact of that first meeting was pretty intense and um that woman who led the meeting became my first sponsor and um when I was like trying to figure out how not to restrict and how to eat on a camping trip and how to like just cook for myself and how to recover from a binge and you know stumbling my way through the the early months of program I remember her saying you know when when you're ready like I'm here to catch you and, like, just to have that unconditional love from this woman that I had just met was so, so powerful. Like, I had just never had anything like that before. So um, it has always been community and people that has kept me coming back to these rooms um, because I don't generally feel safe in the world. I think it's big and scary and icky and um, full of lots of painful things. So, you know, I really needed to, to have a community where I felt safe. Um, so... So yeah, so here I am. Um, I I love the also the mission statement. I think it was that was read at the start of this meeting, and like the um, just the the notion that like counting time doesn't work for for everyone because that has really been my um, experience as well. Like I have found it at times very uncomfortable to have different sorts of you know goals or. Uh, yardsticks or whatever because those those things can be uncomfortable for me um, and so when I celebrate my anniversary it's literally just my anniversary of coming in you know I've been sitting my butt in these chairs for 18 years and that's a lot um, you know that's just my commitment to fumbling the road of happy destiny that's how I like to think of it because it's definitely not graceful and um, you know, and that's, that to me is meaningful. I think that, you know, there is, uh, there is something of osmosis in this program, I believe, um, that, you know, that literally just showing up, you know, and, and we hear that, you know, don't leave before the miracle happens. It's like, okay, here I am. Um, so, so abstinence is very imperfect for me. And, um, you know, I think if anything, all it is is sort of like, things like the pendulum swings get a little, little smaller, you know, like there are still binges, there are still episodes of restriction, but that's just a little, a little tighter. And this, for the most part, my mind is also a little more settled. Um, and I have, because of the steps, a lot more sort of tools to deal with some of the stuff that goes on up here. Um, so I was thinking a little bit about, you know, um, 
I'm already totally clear that I'm not going to have enough time to say all the things I want to say, even though I was like, oh my God, it's the longest year ever and I'll never be able to get through it. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was thinking about it earlier this week and, um, you know, steps one, two, and three, steps four through 10, um, four through nine, and then like 10 through 12 are sort of like the chunks of the steps to me. Um, steps one, two, and three are really hard and really nebulous and, um, and I have to go back every 30 seconds and like try to figure out how I relate to the notions of like powerlessness and turning it over and what a God concept is that works for me. Um, and one of the blessings for my, um, you know, one of the silver linings of my pandemic is discovering some secular versions of this program that, that sort of explore what it is to have a higher power that isn't necessarily the one that we hear in the big book. And that's been really, really helpful for me because it's something I deeply, deeply struggled with um, my whole life. And I've always been kind of, you know, one of those seeker type people that was, you know, like certainly in my youth and um, through a lot of my earlier years, like very curious about, you know, um, those sort of deeper things and deeper meanings in life. But it's been slippery and it has also evolved. Um, you know, at 47, I am not the same person that, you know, as as the one that came in here or as the one that was seeking a God concept when I was in my teens, like that it's just not the same. Um, the sum of my experiences pushed me to something else. So, and the other thing I sort of realized this week when I was thinking about step one and powerlessness is, you know, I come from an alcoholic home. The last thing I want to be told is that I'm powerless because what I experienced as a child is chaos and disruption and, um, you know, being very, very helpless. So, I'm going to fight tooth and nail to have structure or safety or security. And so step one is really difficult for me um, to wrap my head around and my emotional head around. Um, and it's good to realize that, you know, it's good to realize that there is, you know, as much as this phrase often makes me want to barf, there is this inner child that actually needs something different than, or something more or something else, you know, in addition to step one and just this, this pure notion of powerlessness. So um, and that said, you know, for step two, um, I do believe there's healing. And, and to me, that it's, it can be as simply stated as that, that, like, the steps provide a way to frame my experience and my struggles and my relationships um, in a way that does help. Like, it just helps with the things that I struggle with. And... Um, you know, I've heard lots of different de different definitions of, you know, what we come to believe in and what coming to believe looks like. Um, but for me, it's, it's as, it can be as simple and basic as, like, the steps work. You know, they just work. And maybe they don't work perfectly, and they don't work for everything. And, you know, like, I know we hear that, that phrase, it's the last house on the block. And I'm like, but there's some other good houses that you might want to visit, you know. Like, there's, <laughs> like, there's some other good things out there, right? Like, um, you know, OA doesn't necessarily address everything that I, in my heart of hearts, need to address, but, but it's certainly a good place to start, and it certainly, like, familiarized me with the neighborhood and some of the other houses. Um, and then, yeah, step three, like, turning over, again, that's, gets really sticky, you know, thinking about what God is, what I'm turning it over to, um, how's that all going to work, you know, how am I going to trust that? Uh, it's, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult. And I think that the, one of the most basic ways that I can practice step three in my day-to-day -day is to take a few breaths. <laughs> like, 
to take a few breaths and to recognize like, oh, this is reality that I'm in right now. These are the component parts of that reality. This is the reaction I'm having to reality. Um, and really just tuning into that, you know? It doesn't have to be, because if I get into, for myself, if I get into any like idea of like God out there and you know something external and you know who, salvation fantasies, you know that that can undercut my recovery and my ability to function, you know, or like respond in the moment. Um, so that you know just kind of bring it back into the body and mindfulness and you know the idea of a higher self, you know, I do, there are parts of me that are quite smart, quite intuitive, and very good at doing, you know, like solving problems, and like, sometimes it's just about tuning into that. Um, steps four through nine, I, um, I think, like, I'm on step ten right now, and so I'm, I'm sort of, you know, when I was reflecting this week, you know, like, four through nine are just like, like, it's the house renovation, right? It's like, get out the tools, like, you know, we're going to pull off the wallpaper, we're going to get, see how the studs are looking, like, do we need to do, like, major, major renovations? Um, and that work is, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's serious, but it's, like, it's intense, right? There's, like, a lot in there. And, you know, my... The nature of my eating disorder is, um, as as most of as you know, as most of us like you know, it's about how I show up in the world and like, can I get enough, right? Can I and and mostly it's can I get enough love and am I well respected enough and like do I feel secure enough with other people? Um, and so a lot of my early work in like my first. The first inventory I did, I sort of, like, described it or approached it as, like, an exorcism. I'm like, if I can just, just root out all of these defects and just, like, get rid of all of it, then I'll be okay, you know. And um, and at age 47, I've realized that, you know, like, after 18 years in program, that, like, the, the defects are not going anywhere. My past is not going anywhere. Like, it doesn't, I don't have to be dragging it in my pockets all the time, but, like, it's always going to be my past, right? Um, the story's not going to change. Um, but how I deal with it and sort of how I contextualize it and how I frame my relationships with with other people and how, how the past affects the present, right? Like, how the things that I've experienced over the years, like, make me act the way I act now. Like, that's what I'm dealing with in steps four through nine. And uh, my dear sponsor has been, you know, helping me get back on track with step 10 over the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, I have a lot of resentments, like a lot of resentments. Um, and it does relate to, like, you know, there are areas of my life now. Like, I have things, you know, and projects and people that I deal with. And, you know, there's work and there's dating and there's creativity and there's hobbies and, you know, there's committees. And, you know, whatever. There's things. And I'm like, God, people are annoying. God, you know, <laughs> it's like, um, and it's And, you know, and I think what part of what happens for me is I get so caught into, like, showing up and doing the things that I'm like, oh, like all these things have piled up and I'm like super irritated at my boss and I'm irritated at my sponsor and I'm irritated at my sponsees and I'm, you know it's just like there's all these things and I, like at some point I'm just like okay you gotta sit down and write some of this out and it's so scary still I'm like ugh it's just ugh there's like all this gross stuff and like you know I hate everyone and I have a part in it and it's just ick um, like it's not easy work to do and and it's like it's not it doesn't go away otherwise, though, you know what I mean? And it's not that it really goes away either, but, like, 
I will start to spin out and I will want comfort for reasons that I do not understand unless I sort of sit down and write through it. Um, so like that is my super shout out for step 10 because I feel like it is on some level, like it is a, a daily inventory is like four through nine. Uh, just like I'm just doing all of them, you know, I'm looking at my defects. I'm, you know, looking at where I need to apologize. Um, you know, I'm doing all of that, uh, sort of seeing how I'm feeling, checking in with myself, uh, checking in with higher power. Um, welcome. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention in regards to, like, the four through nine chunk is understanding as somebody who wants to be loved and someone who's a people pleaser and approval seeker and all that good stuff. Um, I generally speaking, um, don't like to admit when I've made a mistake or done something wrong or, you know, like I don't even want to think I've done something wrong. Right. Um, but I think one of the things that I've noticed in my time in program um, and in my recovery is like it's way less scary to admit making a mistake. It's way less scary to own that I screwed up um, in lesser or greater ways, right? It's like it's not a shocker anymore. Like the perfectionism of, for me, you know, restriction and like trying to have the perfect body was about trying to be perfect in the world and perfect for all of you so that I could never be criticized and I would never hurt your feelings, right? Which is a tall order on any given day. But um, but I think learning to ha like to make mistakes gracefully and to just kind of own it of like, oh yeah, I screw up all the time. Like I screw up all the time at work and it's so not a big deal because I do a really good job generally. Um, and just being able to sort of admit it and be like, oh, oops, you know, correct course and move on and not dramatize it, uh, that is huge recovery. Like, that's huge recovery because it frees me up to just keep moving through my life and, you know, doing what's, you know, whatever the next thing is. Um, steps 11 and 12. Um, step 11, um, prayer is not a thing so much for me. It is occasionally. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I write a lot. Um, you know, it's like seeking conscious contact. Like, I write a lot. That's, you know, that is a way that I try to get in touch with higher power. Um, and meditation for me is like, you know, again, it's part of that process, just like trying to settle down, trying to get in touch with what's going on inside um, and trying to sort of listen to what's happening and what maybe the right, you know, the next right action is. Um, and I think it's also very, you know, it's very difficult. I, um, you know, one of the things that, like, I have gotten to experience in the time I've had in program, like, my mom passed away a few years ago, and that was really, really unexpected and really, really painful. Um, my mom was actually who brought 12-step into our lives because she got my dad into recovery. So like she was sort of the proto 12 step person, um, in a way in my, in my life. And, you know, like losing her and having to sit in meditation with intense grief, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like this just sucks. Um, because there were times when I literally could not sit there without just bawling, you know, and I would try to go to a community of people to like, you know, like, so maybe if I, if I'm not doing it on my own, it'll be easy. And it's like, no, I'm just a mess. Um, 
And I think for me, that's that's been a big part of the recovery too, is like meditation is not blissing out all the time and it's not reciting, for me, reciting mantras, you know, of positive affirmation all the time. Sometimes it's just feeling the pain. You know, it's just feeling the pain of what's going on. Um, and then step 12, because I do want to, I actually do want to wrap up early so that uh, I can take questions. Um, carrying the message, I'd say that the biggest way that I do that is showing up in meetings and sharing. Um, uh, it has been, you know, I, I have sponsees, I have a sponsor. Um, I'm happy to talk about, you know, sort of my spiritual practice or my, <laughs> you know, my messy spiritual practice with, with anyone, you know, in and out of these rooms. Um, it is important, and it is important to, to sort of give people the hope of connection that, I, that, that I've gotten here. Um, one thing that has been very, very important for me or very meaningful for me in the rooms is, you know, one friend in particular who is a, kind of a long, a long-time friend from the rooms, I just remember her always, like, sharing when it was messy and sharing when it was hard. And, God, that was just so powerful for me. That was so powerful for me to see somebody who I was like, she's got recovery and she's got strong recovery and she still has icky stuff that she has to deal with in life. And, and she walks through it and she shares about it honestly. Um, I had a moment in program where I tried to do it very Pollyanna and tried to do, you know, and I was like, no, nah, that didn't work. That didn't work at all. <laughs> um, you know, and, it, and, it, and so it's just, it's for me, when I hear people struggling and when I hear people honestly, um, you know, facing their challenges and feeling just shattered by them, you know, and still showing up to the rooms, that to me is incredibly, incredibly uh, helpful um, because it just makes it real. Um, I think the last thing I just want to touch on um, before I take questions is uh, I had some practice this year with uh, specifically working the tools, which is not a thing that I had ever done in a formal way before. Um, and that was a that was a really uh, that was a really interesting experience for me to sort of like really think on any given day, like how am I, you know, putting a plan of action into effect. How am I using the phone? Am I writing? You know, like, um, and, and I definitely don't do it perfectly, but most days of the week, I will spontaneously, without prompting, pick up at least one tool, usually more like three. Um, and it was also really interesting to see where I was more comfortable and where I was less comfortable, like which tools were easy for me and which weren't as easy for me. Um, and it turns out plan of action is a really difficult one for me, and it's really not a surprise, but, um, you know, putting together a plan, working through things systematically, um, you know, as a compulsive, impulsive person, I'm like, no, I just want to do it. I just want to do the thing. Like, bah, you know. Um, and so that's that's been, you know, interesting. So I actually keep the, on my phone, I keep the, the web link to what the tools are open all the time, and I just sort of, like, hop in there every once in a while to give myself a reminder, um, you know, how does anonymity play out in the day? Like, what does that mean? Um, so, yeah, I think I will leave it there and take questions. Please have questions.
thanks so much, Fairly. Um, so I was like, this, how do you like to sponsor? Uh, what literature do you use? And you know, how often do you talk to your sponsors? That sort of thing. Yeah, um, that's a great question. So the question is, how do I sponsor? Um, uh, very mess messily, very imperfectly. Um, I also uh, claim a seat in Al-Anon, so working with others is fun and <laughs> challenging, and um, and boundaries are fun and challenging, and, and being clear about them. Um, but I, you know, I definitely keep it simple, and like I sponsor using the literature and sort of the structure that was given to me, um, which is you know going through both twelve and twelves in the big book. And, you know, just sort of writing and, and reflecting on that and discussing that. Um, I have personally found it really difficult in the age of texting um, because I, it to me undercuts real connection uh, because it's not a conversation anymore, right? So that's been an interesting thing. And I had a, um, I had somebody I was working with earlier this year give me like a no texting rule, and I was like, oh can do that like when my song's used I could be like no please don't text you know because it really like it's just if you want my recovery you know if you want my experience if you want to engage in a conversation about program with me you got to pick up the phone you know um so usually in like in a structured way I try to set aside one day a week you know where like that's the time we talk um and I always offer, like, you can call me anytime, and nobody ever does. Like, they're just, like, it's just, like, it doesn't happen. And it's really funny to me, because I call my sponsor multiple, like, every day, sometimes multiple times a day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm such, I'm, like, so codependent, with, you know, and so engaged with it that I'm, like, why are you calling me? Okay, whatever. Um, you know, and my job on the other side is, like, pick up the phone and freaking be available, you know, because you said you would, you would do that, you know. And I can't always be, which is why I have the one time that I like to kind of call out of, like, this is when you will definitely get me, and I will make sure that I'm awake caffeinated, you know, ready to, ready to talk. So, yeah, thanks for the question. Hi, thank you so much for your review. Um, do you have a food plan or how do you manage your food? Yeah. The question is, do I have a food plan? How do I manage my food? Um, no, I, <laughs> I currently, uh, I'm currently floating and this year and my, the nature of my disease is what's too tight and what's too loose. And I had a, a great, you know, num run of months earlier this year where I was like, you know, my food is kind of out of control and I've gained some weight, like, to a point that I'm not comfortable. So I tried uh, working with a food sponsor and committing my food every day. And the anorexia kicked back in, you know, and the restricting kicked back in. And I lost a fair bit of weight pretty quickly. Um, and I could see it happening. And I talked about it. And I could not, like, I couldn't make it stop. And then the pendulum swings back and the binging is back, you know. So... Um, what generally works for me is three meals a day and a couple of snacks and not too many restrictions on it. Because for me, like, if I need to eat in a way that's going to prevent me from binging and restricting, like, sometimes I need to have what my, one of my early sponsored called play food. It's not junk food, it's play food. Like, it can't be perfect. I can't be going for perfection. Um, and really annoyingly for me, like, when my weight's down, I'm, like, so excited about it and I feel so good. And I don't think my higher part wants me to feel that good, like, as in, like, an ego boost thing. Like, I don't, you know, I think that's, like, that's not for me. Maybe one day it'll be for me, but it's not for me. So, um, so yeah, so that's what food, look, food looks like. Um, I don't, I've been trying to just kind of take my hands off of it for a little bit because I don't want to, um, 
the control is so easy. You know, when I when I have a structured way of eating, like the control comes in really pretty strongly, and I know intuitively and in my gut like what works, and it's just about being willing to do it, which I am not always willing to do. So, yeah. Thanks for the question. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. You mentioned that you were a double winner. Um, I don't know if you call Alan a double winner, but <laughs> uh, I do. Um, how, if at all, do you delineate between the sort of scope and content that you would share at a meeting in one program versus the other? Mm. Uh, that's a great question. So how do I how do I distinguish between um, you know what what comes up in an Ally and on context and what comes up in an OA context? Um, I think that like to some great extent I don't like I think it's the same. You know my my eating uh, and the way I want my body to perform and look and all that is so much about people that it's just like, I, it's irrelevant, you know, it's an irrelevant distinction in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't talk about food and alcohol. I guess that's, <laughs> that's the big difference is, um, I don't talk about that. And, and I think, you know, for me, um, with like the people issues, you know, figuring out what, I've also been exploring, um, adult children stuff this, like, the past year and a half, so it's like, I'm not sure, you know, where the best recovery is for me in that area, um, or where the best support is, uh, but, you know, because I don't, like, I don't have a spouse who's a drinker, or, you know, like, I don't date drug addicts or whatever, you know, so it's like trying to find what the core issue is, and I think that it might be a little more towards the ACA than the Al-Anon, which is really annoying because that's hard work and I don't want to deal with that, but um, but there you go. What am I going to do for the next decade or so of my life? Um, so yeah, so hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. Thank you so much, Valerie. Um, how do you navigate social situations around food? So like dining out, family functions, dinner parties. Mm. Um, how do I navigate dining out and family functions with food? Um, such a great holiday time question. Um, <laughs> like I said, I, I try not, I, for me it doesn't work to have a, a ton of structure around it because it will set me up for either failing and beating myself up or restricting and, you know, just being a little crazy about it. Um, I think having a lot of compassion is a big part of it. Um, you know, when I go up to visit family or when I go to something where there's like a potluck, ugh, um, you know, or a buffet style thing, ugh, you know, like it gets messy, you know, it's just, it's like I, I mostly, you know, during the week, like cook my own meals and I go out maybe once or twice a week and it's like not a big deal. Um, but if it's, like, days on end of, you know, different food, it's really tricky. It's really, really tricky. And I, um, like, the other thing I share about a lot is, um, you know, I'm very active and I have some hobbies that require some serious calories. And, like, it's just messy. Like, and I don't know how for, I don't know how to not make it messy. Um, but I think that there is a way to bring spirituality and love and compassion into the messy. Um you know, it's like, I, I heard something great earlier this week uh, on a meditation, which is like, sometimes letting go is letting be, you know, so it's just not trying to change it. It's not trying for me to like, you know, force it to look like what I think it should look like. And um, yeah, and it, and it, you know, it can be a struggle, but I think like 
having the container of these rooms and knowing that I'm going to get to a meeting at some point, knowing that I'm going to talk to my sponsor, knowing that I have fellows, knowing that I can write the food down if I need to, to just, like, turn it over. Because sometimes I'm just like, oh, it's so icky. I just, like, want somebody to know what it is and then just, you know, get it away, you know. Um, so those are some of the things I do. How have you managed telling people that you're dating about your recovery? <laughs> um... So the question is, how have I um, managed talking to people I'm dating about my recovery? Um, you know, I mean, it comes up, right? Like, it's just, like, there's usually a certain point where I'm like, okay, it's fine. We're just going to talk about this. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, one thing I know is that, like, being in relationships definitely impacts the way I eat. And, like, having another person that I eat, take meals with or, you know, shop with or whatever like all of that really impacts my food and sometimes in a really good way like like the structure that I can't you know put on it like sometimes having another person will will help um but I just like it's kind of organic I think that talking about it like there's a certain point where um I'm comfortable enough with somebody to sort of say like yeah this is my thing I just have this thing you know like um, and all of it, right? Like, I come from an alcoholic home, and, you know, I have an eating disorder, and, you know, like, it's just, like, it's just part of my life. Um, one of the things I have to be careful about is um, not making program a way that I distance someone, because that's come up for me, where I'm just, like, I feel a little uncomfortable in this, so I'm going to be, like, I gotta go to a meeting, you know, <laughs> just, like, it's a way to check out and sort of be avoidant, um, and that's just one of my unique, wonderful traits that, you know, comes up in programs, so, with relationships. So, yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, could you talk about, um, you mentioned something about having more secular experiences as part of your step two? Um, so, I, and hopefully somebody, yeah, we've got some minutes. Um, so, I, I guess the way that, like, I have explored, like, um, different versions of the 12-step, like Buddhist versions of the 12 steps, um, you know, sort of like different languages around the 12 steps. Like, because for me, you know, God as such doesn't always work as a, and like as a catch-all term. I know we say like, oh, I could just use that as like a catch-all term. And it's like, sometimes words matter and, and I don't actually want to use that word. Um, but a lot of the stuff I've been listening to and, and sort of digging into over the last number of months, uh, has just talked to, like, it's just these ideas of, like, what if I turn it over to kindness, or what if I turn it over to, like, integrity, or what if I turn it over to compassion, or what if I turn it over to love, you know? So I think just kind of having, sometimes an abstract concept is helpful to just pin it on, of, like, oh, this is what I'm, you know, like, if I need an idea of what I'm going to turn it over to, that's been helpful. Um, but yeah, I think when I when I try to like define that power greater than ourselves, um, and I'll just wrap it up. Um, you know, sometimes it just is like it's not really a power greater than me. It's just it's the steps. It's it's the reality. It's like it's the the knowledge and the experience in the time that I've been in the rooms that there is healing available, um, and not needing to like actually give it form or a name. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much.